Well, welcome everybody to our service here at Heathervale. And um, a particularly warm welcome to Hannah and Jason and Lawrence. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I don't think I'll be contradicted when I say we've got our youngest member of the congregation with us. Uh, lovely to see the three of you. Um, I have a, a few notices to give. Um, one is uh, yeah, just reminding you about our all-age nativity service next week, where you're invited to come dressed as a, a character from the nativity story. That's not compulsory. If you don't want to dress up, don't stay away. Come anyway. Um, and as I said last week, it doesn't need to be any elaborate costume. We just love as many people uh, to, to come along as possible. Um, Yep, can I remind you about the prayer meetings this Thursday, the last of our um, three series of, of prayer meetings for um, matters that really are, are quite urgent. So if I can remind you um, about the call to prayer and fasting and to, to come along to those um, if you possibly can. The, there are Christmas cards um, on the, the tables in the lounge. So even if you're, you don't normally come in for coffee, do come in and see whether there's any cards for you and, and take them away. Um, or it may be that there's some for, for a neighbor that you could take, or you could join, you know, as I say, if you don't normally come in, why not come in and have coffee this week? Um, and lastly, um, you'll all have noticed, I, I'm sure, that there's a star on your seat. Um, you've probably lifted it up in order to be able to sit down, and you might be wondering what that's about. Well, it's part of our prayer time after the after we start with with worship and some of the stars have suggestions on them i've lost mine here i think some of them say thank you for and please help me too at the end of our time of worship i will invite you to write something on the stars and then they'll be collected all right hang on mike and barbara are you going to be doing that you don't have four, to stick to, to those categories if there's something else you would like to, to pray, um, but it would be good to give something that we're thankful for and then something that we're, we're asking God to do for us. So I'm telling you now to give you some time. It may be that uh, you get some inspiration during the worship time. I know not everybody likes to be put on the spot to, to fill in something like that. Oops, sorry, I've just um, wrecked Martin's laptop uh, well at least he's laughing <laughs> maybe it's a nervous laugh <laughs> um well today is the second sunday of advent i've i've looked and i've seen actually convicting or sort of yeah conflicting ideas as to to what the second sunday uh, signifies some say peace and some say joy, but the subject of our um, our service today is the joy of our salvation. So let's go with the joy. And we're going to hear later um, Mary's words, um, her, her song, um, it's often called the Magnificat. And she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. And we're going to learn about um, why we should be joyful in our salvation all that our salvation brings us in terms of forgiveness and so many other things and so we're going to start now with some sung worship bringing glory to god as mary did thank you mm -hmm. 
to praise joining together to honor your name Jesus is Lord we will sing over everything everyone's coming to praise showing the world it is Jesus who reigns he is the light and the way over everything so lift up your voice to our God, for He reigns. God be glorified. God be glorified. God be glorified. God be glorified. Blows all fear away, Jesus. 
To, to write something on, on the, the stars that you have. If you don't have a pen or a pencil, if you indicate, um, one will be brought to you. Just thinking of some of the things that we sang about there that, that um, we can thank God for. He gives us joy, peace, strength, hope, grace, freedom from fear, the truth. He heals our pain. He gives us love, freedom life and warmth forgiveness security power love i can invite you to to write something on on your stars some praise to god thanks to god for who he is what he's done and then perhaps a, a request if you wish for those on zoom I invite you to, to think of the same things. You might like to write something down. Or you might like to, to pray, to unmute yourself and, and pray so that we might hear. Some words from Romans. If the tree root is holy, so are the branches. A branch may be broken off. And you, a wild shoot, may be grafted in place to share the richness of the tree. Do not boast of your position, for you do not support the root. It is the root that supports you. Branches may be broken off for others to be grafted in, but they were broken off because of their disbelief. Therefore, you must stand fast in your faith, remembering that God did not offer any support to the failing branches. themselves how creation happens. They're looking elsewhere than Earth. They're chasing asteroids around. They don't seem to realise it was you. Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Amen.
Jesus, I, I just, we do want to thank you for the joy that knowing you brings. Thank you for, that we know we're forgiven in Christ. Thank you that we know that we belong to God as his family, as his adopted sons and daughters. Thank you that we have the assurance of eternal life after this life. Thank you that we don't need to be weighed down with shame and guilt because Jesus took our shame and guilt when he died on the cross for us. Thank you that there is meaning and purpose and contentment in knowing our loving Father and Creator through Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that knowing you is the greatest thing because you bring fullness of life. So Lord, would you fill our hearts this morning with joy through the power of your Holy Spirit. May we rejoice like Mary and Elizabeth in our salvation. Lord, we don't want to keep it to ourselves, but may our joy and contentment and delight in you overflow from us to others, that your light might shine out from us into a hurting and broken and dark world. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for your divine protection, your divine guidance, yeah. and your divine provision. Thank you because we have looked up to you, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Yeah. And Lord, you have never failed us. Thank you. We are so grateful. We have come with a heart of gratitude this morning yes. to say thank you, Lord Jesus, yeah. for all that you have done, both the ones we can see and the ones we cannot see. Mm. You are the invisible God. There are things that physical eyes could not see. Oh Lord, you saw it and you helped us out. We are saying thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. You are worthy of our praise this morning. Yes. We have nothing to say that to say thank you, Lord. Yeah. Thank you because you have been so faithful. You have been so gracious to us. Thank you have you. kept us by your mercy. It is not by our power nor by our mind that we live today. It is you who has made, oh God, that we are here to glorify you. Yes. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Please help us, oh Lord, to love you more. Yeah. Help us to know you more. Mm -hmm. And help us to serve you in truth and in spirit. Help us, oh Lord, even at this time, as we celebrate the Lord Jesus, as in the world, everyone is celebrating Jesus. That they will know who Jesus is, that he is the Savior, the Counselor. He is the Redeemer. He is the one that has come to save us. Let us not celebrate Christmas like the world has taken Christmas. But let us remember Jesus Christ that was born, the Emmanuel that was born, the Lord with us, that he's still with us up to this time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Mike's going to collect up the stars now and... Uh, they'll be brought to the front and prayed over and then the plan is for them to be used in the next few weeks to to decorate the the church we'll have them hanging somehow um, in the church
So, Father God, we lift these stars, our prayers to you. Father, we thank you for a variety of stars. We have a variety of people, a variety of needs. Father, we lift these stars up. May they be a fragrance to you as we seek your, we praise you and we seek your help in different situations. We thank you that you are a God that loves to answer our prayers. So we offer these things up in faith, look in expectation that you will answer these prayers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And could we take up the offering, please? Father God, we thank you for your goodness to each one of us. And sometimes it's hard to know what different words to use, Lord. But we do pray that you will bless the offering that, that we have given. Lord, you, you ask us to give with, with thanks, thankful hearts. And we ask that uh, you would use or enable us to use this money wisely not for our purposes but for yours in jesus name we ask amen well it's time for the the children and young people to go to their groups And um, as, as I said earlier, we're, we're looking at the joy of our salvation, and that's based on um, the passage in Luke, Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. And I've asked George to come and read that. At that time, Mary got, <coughs> Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby, <coughs> the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. His holy, his holy name, holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones 
but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to David and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Martin. We thank you for what you've given him to share with us this morning. And as with our, our entire service, Lord, we want this to bring glory to you. We pray for an anointing on the, the words that we'll hear. And we pray for an anointing on each of us, Lord, as, as we hear and seek to, to respond and obey, to, uh, obey what you are saying to us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thanks so much, Alison. Um, I, I love the fact that um, Hannah and Jason are here today because um, babies bring such joy, don't they? And um, we, we booked them for a cuddle session this afternoon. So they're, uh, they're coming round uh, this afternoon. But babies bring uh, joy, and not least for, uh, uh, for Elizabeth and Mary, two pregnant women, relatives, who are going to give birth and are filled uh, with with joy um, but we'll get to that in a moment I, I don't know if you remember this slogan I'm probably trying to forget it but um, stay home protect the NHS save lives um, probably remember it all too well um, I was I was just thinking about save lives and um, of course save comes from salvation that's the source the root and it made me think about how in the news salvation is is only really spoken about isn't it in terms of saving life in this life in terms of you know this life has a has a temperate nature to it it's, it's only so long but we thank god that the vaccines have at least um you know have, have been a way of saving lives at least temporarily um you won't hear so much in the news about other types of salvation, will you? Unless I'm, I'm missing something. You see, Luke is more interested in our eternal destiny than he is actually in saving lives from COVID. Um, it's not that Luke isn't interested in physical salvation, he is, but he's more interested in eternal destiny. In fact, we see that from the words of Jesus, for whoever wants to save his life and that's what jesus means there is to um whoever wants to have the best life they can in this life will lose it but whoever loses his life for me will save it and what jesus is getting at there is that if we lay down our desire for our best life now based on achieving our own self-centered ambitions if we lay that down and lose that and follow christ we will gain 
our life. We will save our lives as we follow Christ and for eternity. Um, our eternal destiny will be secure, um, which is what God wants. Um, in Luke's uh, gospel, physical salvation is often a sign of spiritual salvation. Um, for example, in Luke chapter 8, a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and who doctors couldn't cure, fights her way through a crowd to get to Jesus. If she could just touch the edge of Jesus' cloak, maybe she could be healed. Do you remember the story? She, she barges through the crowd and she just manages to grab the very hem of his robe. And Jesus senses that power has gone out from him. And he says, who touched me? And the woman comes forward. And she is instantly healed of her bleeding issue. But what does Jesus say? Does he say, oh, hallelujah, you've been healed of a physical condition? No, look at what he says. Daughter, your faith has healed. Saved is the verb, sozo. Go in peace. In other words, he's more interested in her faith than he is in her physical healing. It just so happens that her faith has prompted her to go and grab the edge of his hem. She believes in Jesus who has the power to heal. But more than that, she believes that Jesus is the source of salvation for her. And so in that moment, she is saved. So Luke wants us to see that being saved is far more than being physically healed or saved from death or having demons exercised from us. All of those things are signs that point to the greatest and ultimate healing, which is, our, which is eternal life. So Luke is interested in both spiritual salvation and physical salvation. And it just so happens that the physical miracles that Jesus did point to his spiritual salvation. Our culture has largely rejected God and so has rejected this need for spiritual salvation. You don't hear stories on the news about people who've been saved and brought into the kingdom, unless I'm missing something. Am I watching the wrong news channel or, you know? How did this situation come about? How did our culture lose sight of spiritual salvation? Why don't we have banners up that say, you know, come to Christ, be saved for eternity? <laughs> you know, an alternative to COVID banners or something. What's, what's gone wrong? Well. Do you mind a little bit of philosophy? Is that all right? Can we do that? All right, I read a, sorry, I read a really interesting article the other day. Well, it was a few months ago, actually. And I, I just kind of wanted to share with you because I got quite excited about it. So I hope you are excited about it as well. But if you're not, then sorry, I'm just going to indulge my own interests here. Um, Frederick Nietzsche, some of you heard of this guy, famously said, God is dead. And on the cover of Time magazine in 1966, they ran an article, Is God Dead? Question mark. And there were a, a team of um, philosophers in, uh, in the magazine who argued about, you know, is, is this the end of the need for God in our culture? And of course, in the 60s, that was a big question to ask because it was the liberal 60s, freedom, um, hippie uh, culture was the thing, wasn't it? 
And so there was a big God is dead movement around in the 60s seeking to do theology without God. Now, theology means studying God. So how you do theology without God, I don't know, but that's what they tried to do. And um, what Nietzsche argued for was that belief in God leads to guilt, which is unnecessary. None of us need to feel guilty. Um, it's Christian faith which has led us to feel guilty because Christian faith talks about sin. And quite frankly, these are constructs that don't really exist. And we need to get rid of God. We need to get rid of sin. We need to get rid of guilt. And then we will be free to live and make up our own morals, live by our own choices, right? Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately, a contemporary of his called Sigmund Freud didn't agree. And he was, he was also an atheist. Sigmund Freud, who lived roughly about the same time, who's a contemporary, said this, the sense of guilt is the most important problem in the development of civilization. So Freud didn't agree with Nietzsche. For Freud, guilt was, is the biggest problem that Western civilization faces. The more we advance scientifically and technologically, the more guilty we feel. Why? Because science and technology are supposed to solve the world's problems, and actually it's getting worse. Environmental destruction and problems across, uh, you know, viruses being another example. We are feeling more and more guilty because these solutions are not working. So we're weighed down with moral guilt. Now, for Freud, the solution was not God and confession and sin and salvation. For Freud, it is to deal with the psychological forces that produce guilt. So for Freud, we're all um, dysfunctional, um, which is true because we're all sinners. But for Freud, it's all about psychological forces that can be overcome through therapy. Now, hear me right, I'm not... Um, I'm not against therapy in any form at all or counseling. Hear me, please hear me. But I don't think it's the solution ultimately to guilt and sin. All right? Are you with me? Okay, thank you. Phew. I'll tread in carefully here. So then I read this really interesting article by a professor of, of history, Wil Wilfred McClay, in the Hedgehog Review, which is a cultural um, magazine. And he's professor of history at Hillsdale College in the US. And he argues that our sense of guilt in Western culture is increasing. He is a Christian, by the way. And in an article called The Strange Persistence of Guilt, he writes that rather than feeling less guilty by doing away with God, we feel more guilty in our Western culture. Isn't that interesting? Guilt is rising. Why? Well, he, he argues that we can never do enough to assuage our sense of guilt as a human race. So he writes, I quote, whatever donation I make to a charitable organization, it can never be as much as I could have given. I can never diminish my carbon footprint enough or give to the poor enough. Colonialism, slavery, structural poverty, water pollution, deforestation, there's an endless list of items for which you and I can take the rap. And the problem, according to Maclay, is that sin and guilt persist, and guilt is actually increasing, but we have no moral framework to deal with it. And so he goes on to argue that the 
wars that you see on social media, uh, media such as on Twitter, where you get a polarization of views of people arguing vehemently and aggressively towards one another is a way of trying to deal with our sense of failure and guilt because we we scapegoat we blame others for our moral failure we lash out and become angry with those that we dis, that we disagree with because we've got no way of being forgiven no way of getting rid of our guilt so our anger and guilt increase and we therefore lash out on social media fascinating article I, honestly if you get a chance to go online and read this thing it's really interesting it's really really good stuff so our sense of guilt is not helped by doing away with God. Now, in case you think, well, this is stating the obvious, what I'm trying to do is to give you a sense of confidence in our salvation, right? Sometimes we hear these words salvation and guilt, and we think that's not the world we live in. But actually, folks, yes, it is. It's just that we need to work harder to understand how the culture experiences guilt. People are feeling guilty out there. They just don't feel guilty about not coming to church and about religious things, but they still feel guilty, hugely guilty. And Maclay argues that we have rituals and spiritual disciplines that we can offer to the world to say there is a better solution than Freud or lashing out on social media. And it's called forgiveness and the cross. We have resources that the world doesn't have. We can find forgiveness and peace through the cross. So why do we hide away as Christians thinking that our message is irrelevant and is out of date and out of touch? Folks, it's more relevant now than it's ever been. Um, I did a little bit of research on the Mind website in terms of mental health, serious mental health cases. You can go and look this up yourself. Our world is not happy. Have you noticed? The proliferation, the exponential increase of severe mental health problems in our culture. I don't know if you're aware of that. People are not happy. Young people at university, 34% of young people currently at university are suffering severe mental health problems. And I've got one at uni and I've got another one soon to go. We don't lose the worry about our kids, however old they get, do we? Young people today are less happy than they've ever been culturally. And yet we've got more, more scientific advance, more technological progress than we've ever had. And yet our world, our culture is more unhappy than it's ever been. Don't you think that Luke's gospel might have something to say into the darkness and discontent and brokenness of our culture? Don't you think we've got some resources that people need for their lives? Don't you think we've got something good to share with people who are weighed down with guilt and a sense of moral failure, who are lashing out in anger because they've got no, nowhere to deal with their guilt, no framework morally to get forgiveness and a sense of peace? You see, Luke wrote his gospel to tell us there's a better story to live by than the one that our culture tells us. Materialism is not going to work. Um, I, how many male aftershaves are there in the world i mean honestly i honestly you watch the adverts and you think i, I i'm mesmerized if i wanted um which i don't by the way please don't 
think that I, I if I wanted a, a male um, aftershave, I wouldn't know where to start. There's so many hundreds of these things. And there, there's, you know, you've got Johnny Depp and you've got, you know, all these cool actors parading. The, you think, if only I had this aftershave, I could be Johnny Depp or something. Or maybe that's not such a good example these days, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like we're made to feel that we're, we're missing out on life in all its fullness because we don't have this particular product. We have a culture that sells us this is what you need to be a better person to live a fuller life. What a lie. What nonsense. If that were true, why are mental health problems proliferating in our culture? If materialism was the big answer, if psychotherapy was the answer, why is there such a proliferation and explosion of discontent in our culture? People need Jesus. I'm keeping it simple this morning, folks. I don't care about social analysis and all the rest of it it's pretty simple i think people need to know that god loves them and that there is forgiveness and freedom from guilt okay sociologists would critique my analysis but you know what i don't care because i believe this stuff you see we have we have a faith that we can rejoice in that gives us contentment, peace, and joy. Just listen to Mary. Um, just listen to Mary in verses 46 to 47. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Did you sing that, Hannah, when Lawrence was born? I bet you felt like it, didn't you? I hope you did anyway. Yeah, you look, she's smiling. Look at them, happy parents, it's good to see. God wants happy people in his kingdom. Hallelujah. <laughs> we have this salvation is good news. Every time a baby is born, it's a sign of God's grace and mercy and creativity. It's a sign of joy. And it's a sign that God doesn't give just physical new birth, he gives spiritual new birth. And he saves us eternally from guilt, from failure, from shame, from a sense of meaninglessness, lack of purpose. God saves us in so many ways. I love that song that Alison chose. What a beautiful name, because it was all the, if you could have words that describe salvation, it was all in there, wasn't it? Joy, warmth, contentment, peace, love. That's what salvation means life as it was meant to be in relationship with our creator through jesus life in all its fullness freedom from guilt a sense of forgiveness a sense of total identity and security in god of knowing that beyond this life there is eternity and heaven no wonder mary sang a song of prophetic hope no wonder her her relative Elizabeth cried out in a loud, joyful prophecy. You see, what's wonderful about um, Elizabeth's crying out is that she didn't know that her relative was pregnant. No one told her. It just poured out of her in a prophetic utterance that her relative Mary was, was pregnant. And John the Baptist, the unborn John the Baptist, in Elizabeth's womb, leapt for joy. Isn't that amazing? In the presence of the embryo Jesus, I don't know what state of Jesus was, was how far on Mary was, 
but I guess she 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 was a little way behind uh, Elizabeth, wasn't wasn't he? She she get that right? But the John the Baptist leapt inside Elizabeth's womb, being in the presence of the embryo Jesus. That's how powerful Jesus is. You only have to be in his presence and you can leap for joy. Um, he brings transformation. He brings joy. I think sometimes we, we go through um, Christmas, don't we, in these seasons? We think, oh, here we go again. It's, uh, it's all about salvation and joy and all the rest of it. Folks, God actually wants us to have joy. <laughs> Can I say it obviously? He doesn't want us just to sing about it or hear about it or read about it in the Bible. He actually wants us to experience his joy. Isn't that a revelation? It's not for somebody else. It's not just for Mary and Elizabeth, not just for Hannah and Jason, who've got the wonderful gift of Lawrence. God wants you and me to experience joy, contentment, peace, love, identity, security, meaning, purpose, assurance of eternal life, forgiveness. Isn't that wonderful? You see, Luke has recorded Mary's song so that you and I get a model of how to rejoice. He hadn't just stuck it in there for a laugh. He stuck it in there to show how overflowing with joy Mary is. So that you and me read this stuff and go, I can rejoice because Jesus has saved me. It's great being in church, isn't it? Because we get to rejoice like Mary. We get to say, my soul rejoices. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. He's not just Mary's saviour, he's my saviour. He's your saviour, right? <laughs> Why don't we get more excited about this stuff? Hallelujah. Amen. And here's the really good news for me. I'm not powerful or influential or wealthy. I might be proud sometimes, but I haven't got all those other attributes going for me. But do you know who God fills with good things? Do you know who he fills with joy? It's not those who are proud and influential and powerful and wealthy, who, don't, who think they don't need God because they've got everything and they can do everything in their own strength. Thank you very much. It's not those that get filled. It's the people who come to God with empty hands and say, Lord, it doesn't matter what I've got materially, how many O-levels I've got. Without you, I'm nothing. Because those are the kind of people that Jesus fills with his presence. Isn't that amazing? God's not against achievement. He's not against qualifications. He's not against money. But he is against those who are proud and independent of him because they won't get filled. How could they? God fills those who know that they need him and that he's the greatest gift of salvation, right? And without him, we're nothing. So no wonder Mary sang, he's performed mighty deeds with his arm. From generation to generation, he's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He brought down um, Pharaoh in Egypt, didn't he? He brought down the Roman Empire. He's in the business of bringing down rulers and kingdoms and kings. 
He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. That's the God that we have. Are you humble? Are you hungry for God this morning? For more of his presence and joy and power in your life that you might overflow with rejoicing like Mary? Are you hungry for the good things that God has got for you? Hungry for more of his spirit? Are you coming with empty hands saying, Lord, it's you I want, only you. You have the good things, fill me. That's what Mary did and she was filled. Or are you proud and independent thinking I can do this on my own, thank you very much. You see, faithful Israelites like Mary and Elizabeth have been waiting for hundreds of years. The last prophetic voice that had been heard was Malachi 400 years ago, promising that the Lord would send his servant to rescue and restore Israel. You see, Mary and Elizabeth were rejoicing because they were living in oppressive times. You see, their people, the faithful remnant of Israel, were living under Roman occupation. The, the temple that had been so prominent in the de days of King David was no longer central. The peace and prosperity of Jerusalem was long gone. They were under occupation. They longed for God to send his promised Messiah to restore the kingdom, to restore God's reign on the earth through the promised descendant of David and Abraham. And now in Jesus, that promise was coming true. No wonder the baby John the Baptist leapt for joy in the womb. No wonder Mary and Elizabeth prophesied with thanksgiving and joy because the days of oppression were coming to an end. King Jesus was in town. God's presence had come to earth. We know, of course, that Jesus was the promised descendant of Abraham, who would bless not just the, the Israel, but all the nations of the earth. God had promised Abraham that all people on the earth would be blessed through his descendants. And now this was coming through true through Jesus Christ. No wonder Mary sang that prophetic song. Um, you know, those, those verbs, he has, he has performed mighty deeds. They are what they call prophetic aorist tense. In other words, Mary is, it's, a, it's, a, it's as if the future has already happened. Mary is singing as though God has already brought down rulers for, for eternity, as though the kingdom of God has already come on earth as it is in heaven, as though a new heaven and an earth has already dawned on the earth. These are prophetic promises. You see, Mary is prophesying that one day a kingdom will come where God's reign will be complete in a new heaven and a new earth. And all God's people will reign with Jesus over a new heaven and a new earth, a perfected creation with no suffering, no death, where there's no more injustice, no more evil, no more pain, no more suffering. But that kingdom has come and is growing through Jesus Christ. That's why she rejoices. Folks, we live in a culture where unhappiness and guilt are increasing where there's a proliferation of mental health problems which is growing exponentially, 
where there's a persistence of guilt and a sense of moral failure, where technological and scientific solutions are proving not to be the big solution that humanity hoped they would be. We have good news to offer people. We have salvation. Um, this is Christmas, isn't it? You are to give him the name Jesus. Jesus means God saves because he will save his people from their sins. Guilt exists. Sin exists. People need saving from guilt and sin. People need to know that they have a purpose, that there is meaning, that there is a way out of the slavery of guilt that they're in, that there is meaning and purpose and joy out there more than the culture can offer them. And we have the answer in Jesus, don't we? The light of the world who transforms the darkness of people's lives. So why don't we share the light? Why don't we have more confidence in the good news of our salvation? I hope I've given you a little bit of confidence this morning that there's a world out there that needs to hear and experience good news, that needs to know the true source of joy and contentment and meaning and purpose is in Christ the Saviour. This is not outdated language, folks. This message of good news is not out of date, out of touch and irrelevant. It's more relevant now than it's ever been. It's just you and I have got to be more creative at how we share this message. We've got to be careful with our language. What does salvation mean for your neighbour, your work colleague? We, talk, we can talk to them about meaning and purpose in life, the search for contentment and joy. Everybody on this planet is looking for contentment. We believe that Jesus brings life and life in all its fullness. Why don't you start there? All right? You don't need a tract to take people through. You don't need a diagram. You just need to start with where people are. People are experiencing emptiness, guilt, a lack of meaning and purpose in their lives. Why don't we start there? Why don't we start with offering to pray for people who are hurting and in pain and move from there? Why don't we just be there for people, love them and share the good news of the kingdom? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the good news of our salvation in Jesus. Lord, our community, our friends, our family, our work colleagues need to know this good news. Oh, Jesus, forgive us when we hide away in the shadows. Lord, we're ashamed sometimes because we think our faith is old fashioned and out of date and irrelevant to the world. Lord, it could never be more relevant than it is today. Lord, ne never before has a dark world needed the light of Christ more than it does now. So Jesus, set us on fire with your Holy Spirit. Lord, would you put, put a joy in us like Mary and Elizabeth had that overflows, that cannot stay quiet about the good news of Jesus. But Lord, help us to have the wisdom and the skill and the discernment to speak the language of our culture to get inside the hearts and minds of people and to be able to relate their search for meaning and purpose and uh, their, their sense of guilt to, to Jesus Christ and the cross. So help us to do that wisely, with discernment, with skill, but with passion. Use even me, Lord, 
by the power of your spirit, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Well, as Martin said, the world needs Jesus. We need Jesus. And our closing song reminds us, if we needed any reminding, of, of why, why we need Jesus. Let's stand and sing together.
points out our guilt is because he wants us to, to feel all the things that Martin mentioned, condemnation, despair, a sense of failure, a sense of worthlessness. When the Holy Spirit points out our guilt, it's because he wants to lead us into repentance Amen. and forgiveness. Amen. And the forgiveness that only Jesus can give through his death on the cross. Oh Lord God, we just thank you. We thank you that though we feel guilty, though we do things wrong, you want us to repent and you want us to know the forgiveness that Jesus brings. We thank you for that forgiveness. And Lord, please don't let us keep that to ourselves. As we've heard this morning, there's a world out there who needs to know the love of God, who needs to know what Jesus has done for them, who needs to know not guilt and shame, but repentance and the joy of forgiveness and the joy of salvation. Lord, help us to tell them that. And Lord, if we lose sight of the joy of our salvation, please restore it restore to us the joy of our salvation because it is beyond everything else lord and we just thank you from the bottom of our hearts amen